Hello and welcome to If Anyone Cares. My name is Riley James. This is a very special episode of the podcast that took about four days to put together. Um, as far as recording, it took about three weeks to plan it and get everyone on board. And here we are, two days before the release. Today is Monday, July 26th, 2021. The time is 9.47 p.m. Central Daylight Time as I am recording this. You'll hear this on Wednesday, July 28th. At the earliest, it may not be the 28th for you. It may be 2024. If people are still interested in podcasts by then. Nevertheless, I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're listening. And you haven't been rain off in the first minute of the show. So, what we have today is answering a very singular question. Can a performance that is manufactured still be genuine? That may seem like a pretty straightforward question, because it is. But uh, there's layers, and there's answers that went into depth, and there's answers in this show that went a completely opposite way than I intended them to that were still rightfully uh, unique to the person saying them. So I'm excited for you to hear it. My thoughts are with Ryan Wintel at the end. Ryan Wintel, of course, the co-host of R&R, the other podcast that I host. Um, he was kind enough to give me 35 minutes of his time after we recorded R&R that day. Uh, but first up, we have the architect, the man who posed the question to me four years ago, Alexi Lawless. He'll be followed by Clayton Anderson, then followed by Cam Awesome, and then we'll wrap it up with Ryan Wintel and my thoughts on the manor. So if you want to hear my thoughts, stick around for the entire show. But we will start with Alexi Lawless, if anyone cares. On the line, somewhere near Los Angeles, California, is a man who's been on the show before, one of my role models in broadcast television and someone I admired so many times on television and podcasts over the last couple years. Former Defender for the U.S. national team and so many club teams, Alexi Lalas. Thank you so much for making time. Absolute pleasure. That was a, that, you. You read that perfectly. perfectly. <laughs> Just how I wrote it, uh, but very kind of you. That's uh, very kind. Uh, yeah, I think I sent my address for the check. So should <laughs> uh, no. I, I wanted to have you on the show because you kind of birthed this idea for the show. Whether it's, uh, I, I thought about what you said about being genuine in a manufactured performance, and I wanted to have you on to talk about it, so I'll just go ahead and get into it and ask you the, the question. What are your thoughts on being genuine even though you're kind of manufacturing this performance? You prepared this. Sure. I mean, look, I, I am in the entertainment business, and I make no bones about it. I certainly don't apologize for it. Um, the way I say things is as important as what I say. There is absolutely performance that I that I cop to but having said that in no way shape or form does that mean that something can't be a, a performance um, or, or playing a role it can't be genuine and can't be authentic and can't be truthful and in, in you know in the same way that the way you present yourself in a job interview has an impact uh, you know so the aesthetic um, the gesticulation, um, the words that you choose, all of that goes into having a desired impact and effect on whatever your audience is. It could be one person that you're talking to, or it could be thousands of people that you're talking to. Um, when you say that, oftentimes people immediately think, okay, like I said, you're not being truthful. You're not being genuine. I would submit to you that 
certainly in the entertainment industry and on, on television and radio and podcasting, all that kind of stuff, everybody is performing. Everybody chooses a role and a character to inhabit. If you do it well, you choose one that you are comfortable in uh, and that you can maintain. And sometimes that takes a little little time. And certainly I have meandered through the years and you know, done it well and done it poorly and made mistakes along the way. But I've ultimately come to a place where I'm very comfortable in this in this costume and in this this character that I have uh, that I have assumed. And at its core, I do believe that it has to have a, a huge part of who you are. But you know, who you are and who you are, or I am, or anything like like that, we don't know. Uh, you know, we unless we get somebody up in the middle of the night when we were at when we were at our most vulnerable and therefore most honest about ourselves, we don't really know. And so I. Look, uh, all the world's a stage, and I truly and wholly believe that. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it can't be wonderful. And like I said, it doesn't mean it can't be impactful and emotional and, and personal and ultimately true. So you shift your performance based on the medium that you are, you're being presented on. So you mm-hmm. do studio work for Fox. You've commentated in the past, and, and you still do to some extent. And you're big on Twitter. Each one of those platforms, it's shifting performances. Would you say you're more open and genuine on Twitter or, or a podcast because you have a lot more time to deal with? Because in TV, you, you deal with 45 to you know, a minute a lot of the time, right. a lot of time under a minute. Would you say you're more genuine on these platforms where you have a lot more leeway to kind of say what you want? You know, I think that if you have more time, I think obviously you are going to have the ability to be more nuanced and to dig a little deeper um you know the first thing is that there's so many i'm one of the elder statesmen i guess <laughs> if you look at it i you know at the ripe old age of 51 um, in this business because it is still evolving and there's so many young bucks that want to come up and take my job they can pry it from my cold dead redheaded hands but it's very interesting to see the process when they start doing it uh, because you have to very very quickly realize that you have a very short period of time to make a point and you have to uh, both edit ahead of time and edit yourself even in real time to be as efficient and concise as you possibly can and to be both informative and entertaining in what you're doing. And like you said, sometimes it's 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 45 seconds uh, at the most. So rarely do you get to expand and expound upon things in the way that you do at another medium like a, a, a podcast or a, you know or a much longer thing even even twitter is limited literally in the characters that you are able to use and so you i i, I think the ability to edit oneself especially in this day and age i think is really really good because our attention spans are so short and you have to get to the crux of the issue or whatever the opinion that you have as quickly as you possibly can now, you know to your point Yes, you do shift the way that you perform and to a certain extent your character based on whatever platform or medium you are uh, you know, are performing in. And even within a platform, so say a radio broadcast can be different than a television broadcast or who you are talking with or the market in which you're talking and understanding how to, um, to relate to the people that you're talking to or relate to the market that you are, you are talking to. All of those different things combined, I think, are part of part of the production let's be honest and part of at least i think doing doing that doing that performance well and inhabiting that uh, that character well even in 15 seconds of television you still manage to to piss a lot of people off <laughs> it's a it's a uh, a gift 
Right, and and that's part of the the performance aspect is you say you say things. You are hired to give your opinion and analyze the game and the team and the league and whatever you're talking about as it stands at that moment. Uh, with that, you get a lot of people angry at you, especially on Twitter. And Twitter is a place, as you know, where people just say things and they have no consequences for saying things. So <laughs> given that this is part of your performance, but also you being genuinely Alexi Lawless, does that upset you when people say those things? And has it adjusted the way you do your job and you perform? Look, I am I am not an animal. <laughs> I have feelings just like everybody else. I am a human being. I can confirm that, uh, as can my wife and mother, to a certain extent. My kids, maybe not so much. But uh, I am a human being in that I, I don't seek out people saying mean stuff to me. And look, people do say mean stuff, whether it's to my face, behind my back, online, offline, an email, whatever platform that you want. It comes with the territory, and you do have to have a thick skin. And if you don't, you are not long for this business um, and not long for entertainment, I would uh, I would submit. And it does take time sometimes to, to realize that Twitter, for example, is not a focus group. Um, it's fun. I look at it much more as a, as a video game, if you will. Uh, I enjoy the back and forth. I grew up in a household that forced me to have opinions and to be able to back them up and to put myself in other people's shoes and to be able, in the, in the truest tradition, I guess, of, of debate, be able to argue other people's viewpoints, even if they're not directly something that you initially believe, to be able to find common ground or to be able to find a point that you can argue in somebody else's shoes, I think that is, I think that's critical. And I don't think we do enough of that in, in general uh, in, uh, in society now, nowadays. Once again, it doesn't mean that, that you are arguing something that you that you don't believe in, but you have to be able to find something that you believe in um, to take that other side. I never, I get the question all the time, do you believe everything you say? I absolutely believe everything that I say because I know that just saying something to be on the opposite side, that doesn't do us any good. Now, it, it is more entertaining when people do have disagreements, as long as it's done civilly and respectfully, but once again, in an entertaining, uh, in an entertaining fashion. Um, and when everybody agrees, it's not necessarily fun to watch or listen to, and it doesn't necessarily make uh, make good t make good TV. The back and forth on on Twitter, uh, I, I enjoy that. I don't I don't take it personally. I recognize that a lot of people, you know, with the keyboard in front of them and with the anonymity that social media provides, are doing and saying things that if they met me on the street or in a bar or anything, or we were having a conversation, they wouldn't they wouldn't dare say. And so the lack of civility and respect that occurs on social media, I factor that in to, to what we are, what we are doing, which is why I, I kind of miss being out on the road. I miss being out and, and living that life that I lived before the pandemic, where there, there was much more interaction and personal interaction and human interaction where, like you said, there's a whole lot more nuance and more time and maybe a very different type of character than the one that you see on television. I remember listening to the State of the Union, which is your podcast available, the same place this podcast is available. I remember listening, you were talking with David Mossy about uh, a tweet or, or, or some something someone sent you about them spitting on you. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember thinking, it's just, people say, will say anything and do anything. Are you ever worried by by things like that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to provoke or incite or challenge people to do the things that they say uh, on social media in in real life. I mean, look, I, I've, I have lived long enough with some level of notoriety and, and celebrity, if you will, and, and fame because of soccer and the World Cup and everything like that, where you go through different you know periods and there's people that say and do things, like I said, in front of you, behind you, back, um, and, you know, we've had different moments that are of concern I, I i think that the soccer community even those that say mean things or, or horrible things to me i think in general when you really get us down where we are at our our most human i guess and like i said you know at, at a bar or, or or in a hotel lobby or whatever it ends up being that there is a civility and there is a uh, a decency that exists throughout the soccer community and you know if somebody if somebody really wanted because of because of my opinion about soccer, somebody took it so seriously and was so irritated by something that I said that they felt they had to act out in a completely unacceptable and, and vile way, uh, that would break my heart to be quite to be quite honest. I don't put it past people because I've lived long enough to see what the world is and isn't, but I also maintain a a faith in humanity in general and a certain certainly a faith in the American soccer public and the soccer public uh, out there uh, that they recognize. And, and I also, I know this is going long, but I also think that at times I may encourage uh, people to, to say things because I do respond. And there's a part of me that says when you amplify it and when you react, it, it, it does, it, it does, encourage people and I, I recognize that there are people that will tweet specifically because for them they get off on the fact that i am reacting to it but once again i look at it like a show which is why i always say when people delete tweets after i've said something it really ruins the sh it really ruins the show so there is an entertainment aspect even to the the twitter back and forth that we are doing and i know people even tune in if you will if you can tune in on twitter to kind of see that that sparring that goes back and forth oh i look at Twitter every morning about 10 a.m. to see the what are we yelling about tweet. Yeah, <laughs> it's my favorite. Post notifications on immediately after that. Um, the the thing about it breaking your heart if someone took it to the level would it would it bother you more than you having batteries thrown at you in, in Central America? <laughs> uh, I mean, look, yeah, I've, I've lived an interesting life, and I have had people directly and indirectly <laughs> do and say things. Uh, in that context. Um, it was awesome. I'll be honest with you. Living, living in those moments and seeing the, the passion, I know it manifests in some hor horrible ways, but it gives you some great stories. And as long as uh, they keep away from the moneymaker, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good with it. But yeah, anything that you can do, and once again, this is not a challenge to anybody out there, but anything that you can do, I, I've seen oftentimes, uh, oftentimes worse. So it was awesome having batteries thrown at you? That was, there you go. That's okay. the uh, that's the takeaway. Right, that, right. Uh, I no, I I do. I've talked about this before. I you know that whole punk ethos of as long as you are responding, whether it's good or bad, spitting, throwing stuff. Um, I I don't you know like I said, I am a performer. I am in the entertainment business. I don't want to do something that is um, that is not entertaining or that is uninteresting to you know the viewer, the listener, um, the participate, whatever the participant in whatever we we are doing you you want them to be 
you want to have a connection and you want them to be emotionally involved. And by the way, that connection can be they, they agree with what you're saying or they disagree with what you're saying. And ultimately, even those that disagree um, and vehemently disagree, I want them to have a level of respect that it is a, a, dis a disagreement. It doesn't mean that I don't like you. Um, it just means that we think about things differently. And if we can do that in an interesting and civil and respectful way, that's that's where the meat is for me. And that's uh, that's what I love. Because there's plenty of people out there that I completely disagree with, but I have incredible respect for the way they go about making their case, the way that they talk about things, the entertainment that they give me. And, you know, and yes, the way that at times they recognize what is going to resonate and what isn't. And you could call it you know, triggering or treat or, or tweaking or you know, tweeting or you know, and whatever you want to call it, poking the bear, all that kind of stuff. But you know, you you will, just like me and anybody else out there, you know when you're saying something that is going to rile people up, and you have to be very careful on when you choose to do that and and use it um, with respect and use it uh, sparingly because otherwise it, it loses its potency. Two more things here. You said something interesting. Coming off the field, having that reaction, I, I never considered the fact that you're a performer on the field as well. Uh, do you feel the same way about television and radio and podcasting and Twitter as you did playing and, and being genuine in a performance and giving people something to to react to? 100%. Um, you know, I, I, I've told you before that I'm a performer. I don't differentiate between uh, walking on a field, which, you know, and I do a lot of music and have for many, many years, and, you know, that's performance too. Uh, so I don't differentiate between walking on a field from walking on a stage. By the way, when you walk on that field or stage, you will have trained, uh, which is another form of rehearsal. Uh, you will walk on that stage or field in a costume, put the uniform on, right? Um, so, yeah, I see incredible similarities, and I have always taken it, I, you know, even when I was a player, I considered myself in the entertainment industry, and I want to do it in front of people. And whether 100,000 people are screaming for you or against you, I don't care. I mean, there's, there is nothing like being booed by an entire stadium because they recognize you, and while they, while they will hate you outwardly uh, because that's what you do for the opponent, they also respect you. Otherwise, they wouldn't care about you. Um, there's the costume aspect of it. You know, when, I, when I showed up years ago and the way that I looked, it was by design. I knew exactly what I was doing. Yes, it was comfortable. And so, you know, this costume that I felt comfortable assuming, uh, but it was with a recognition of how it was going to resonate from uh, optics and aesthetic uh, 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 aspect of it and you know when i put on my my suit and uh, suit and tie to go out there in front of the cameras and my makeup i'm doing this i'm still doing the same thing and um so yeah i mean there there are similarities throughout my life in the way that i have approached doing my job last thing and we'll, we'll promote the podcast and the music uh, the the comfortable aspect of doing this you, you get comfortable being on camera you get comfortable behind a microphone you get comfortable playing in stadiums where people yell at you and, and, and boo you. Among the things that you do now with the State of the Union, with the Instagram Live slash Periscope, those little live things that you do that I tuned mm -hmm. into for the last five years, the television aspect, commentating, not which is your favorite, which do you feel like you could be Alexi the most? That's interesting. Um, I, I don't think that... 
I don't think that anybody has ever met you know, the real me other than maybe you know, my wife or my close friends or my family. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm, I, I like to think I'm a work in progress. And by the way, I, I feel the same about anybody else, even people that I'm close to. So uh, I don't know which platform. I mean, I, I feel incredibly comfortable um, on television because I've done it for a while now. But I will also tell you that I get I get uh, butterflies and I get nervous and if I don't feel that, then I don't feel that I'm that I'm prepared. And by the way, I still got a long way to go. I make plenty of mistakes and I screw up and it doesn't it doesn't play in the same way that, you know, sometimes you go on stage and the song doesn't work or the uh, you know, the act doesn't work, uh, the lines aren't there, whatever it ends up being. So I am I am still a work in progress both as an entertainer and I like to think as a as a person, I like to think over the years I've I've gotten better at at, all, at both in all of those things, but I don't know which one provides the the best peek into who I am. I don't think people care to be quite honest with you. I'm really not that cool and or interesting. All you do is have to ask my children, and they will confirm that um, <laughs> that that I'm that I'm uh, I'm really not that interesting or or, or cool. The, you know, the podcast I think is like you said gives more time and and breadth to, uh, to being able to talk about things. But, you know, I'm still recognizing that I'm following a script and there's a rundown and I know what I, what, what I want to talk about. And to a certain extent, I know how I want to talk about. It's just a little bit, it's just a bit, a little bit longer, but you know, I also go back and look at things that I've done and, you know, we, uh, you know, we do the postmortems of, yeah, that, that bit worked, that bit didn't work. Um, you know, we should do some more of that. That resonates. Or maybe if we just refine this a little bit or listen, this is this is really wheelhouse type of stuff that's going on. And you know, I think that any artists out there, we, we do that. And that's a, that's an important thing. Well, Alexi, I, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to perform for me for 20 minutes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. And I love I love what you are you are doing and you know, that you are thinking about this, this stuff, because as our sport continues to evolve and grow, there are going to be more and more opportunities and there are going to be more and more you know, personalities that emerge that, 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 that make us think and make us and, and provoke us. And, um, that's a good thing because let's be honest, relative to other sports, it's something that we don't have enough of when it comes to soccer. And we are kind of a do it yourself sport. And oftentimes we have, but I, I'm hoping that as we grow, there'll be more traditional avenues, more traditional platforms, or I guess we'll make what what is traditional going forward. And those types of voices, uh, whether it's yours or anybody else out there, uh, can be talking about this stuff and, be, and can be talking about it in a way that's interesting, like I said, and entertaining. And that, that competition will foster more interest in, in the game. I will watch somebody that's interesting talking about a sport that I could care less about as long as it is done, like I said, in an interesting way. And I might like that person or not like that person, or agree with that person or not agree with that person, but, but ultimately I can appreciate and respect that they are trying to give me something that is entertaining through whatever vehicle and, and sport that they are talking about. Well, I'm a recent college graduate, so if you, yeah, you can put a word in with your, with your bosses, maybe we can get my voice in the airways or you got it you got it (laughs) alexi thank you so much for the time you can listen to his podcast state of the union available everywhere podcasts are available you can listen to his music available 
everywhere music is available. Look at you, his latest album, fantastic. My personal favorite is Ginger, by the way. Nice. Uh, any any music? You're going deep. You and my mom. <laughs> 1998, before I was born, Alexi. Wow. Wow. Just fantastic music from that era. Is there new music coming out soon? Well, I mean, any any artist out there that has gone through the pandemic will obviously have stockpiled a lot. And let's be honest, a lot of it is going to be crap, including a lot of mine. But I do think that I have cobbled it down to uh, another album. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to put it out here, but yes, I've been doing plenty of work, and I you know I sit in front of Pro Tools sessions all day, and I continue to write and, uh, and record and do everything like that. Hopefully, we can get back to performing at some point. Uh, too but it's 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 an incredible love i take it uh i take it seriously um it's something that has stayed with me forever uh the music part and uh i'll get something out here uh, hopefully in the next year do i remember correctly that your favorite band is rat yes it is rat with two t's the greatest <laughs> rock and roll band ever i will fight anybody on that you talk about hot takes man <laughs> that is brilliant and you can also catch alexi and all of his friends covering the CONCACAF Gold Cup available on Fox and FS1. Check your local listings to find that information. Alexi, thank you so much for the time, man. Thank you, my friend. For Alexi Lawless, I'm Riley James, if anyone cares. On the line from somewhere in Indiana is a man with a buttery smooth voice, a very good-looking man who can also sing. I'm very, very happy he made time for the show again. You can check out his latest song, Only Us, available everywhere music is available. Welcome back to the show, Clayton Anderson. Hey, hey, what's going on? Thank you so much for making time, man. I am well. I hope you are, too. You've done so many things since I last spoke to you, and I'm happy to see you're enjoying life. Yeah, it's uh, after last year, my gosh. It didn't take much to enjoy this summer, so <laughs> it's... Uh, it's uh, it's been awesome. It's been great. We, uh, you know, last year we stumbled upon these lake show shows. We did a lake tour, and then we, uh, you know, back in late winter, you know, early March, we were going. What are we going to do? There wasn't a. No one was for sure what was really going to happen. So we just lined up a bunch of. We just had so much fun doing it too, and, and everyone's out on their boat. It's fun. It's safe. It's man. It's it's, it's been a huge blessing and just a huge chunk of fun to, to get to go out and play on the water and, and meet a, go a bunch, and bunch of new people. It's been really cool. Hey, summertime is country season, so you're out there playing some music, getting people uh, a good time, and that's that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy you got to uh, do some lake shows. Lake shows sound like a, sound like a great time. I've never yeah. been to one, but I would love to go to one. Oh yeah, man. We we've only got a few more. Maybe we'll have to figure out a way to get you up here and get uh, get get one or two in. <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. Uh so we we had you on the show today for a very specific reason and the you playing all these shows in quick succession is actually kinda works out great because you were fresh off performing and having this, this atmosphere where you are up on stage giving giving part of yourself to some people. So I wanted to come on and and ask you can a manufactured performance, because it takes a lot to put a show on, a manufactured performance oh, yeah. from your perspective still be genuine? Um, you know, I think it can. Uh, I think there's, I think there's a lots of different ways to do it. You know, I mean, if you look at the great David Bowie, he was always just a character. You know, it, it, he, 
he was always portraying a character from a figment of his imagination or wherever he was pulling it from. Um, and then you have Bob Dylan, who again, you know, he wrote these songs as, as, as almost like a different person, not not his real self. Um, and then, yeah, but then you have like I don't know, like it's I, when I started music, I, I only could do one thing, and that was just be me. I don't really, I was never really that cool. I couldn't come up with a cool thing. It was just always kind of. Um, and it just honestly, for me, it just started with a guitar and and playing on on the on a lake dock down down on a lake I kind of grew up near, um, playing in the backyard in a bonfire and just always and I just took my personality of, of what I am um, to the show. So I I think man to ramble on about your simple question just instead of a yes or no answer I think. I think it, I think there has to be some genuine aspect of the show, whether you're coming up with a, with a if it's a complete act like Kiss, like Kiss is this huge production, um, or if you're stripped down with a guitar like Garth Brooks singing to all those Vegas shows he used to do, there has to be something genuine to that, or. Or no one's going to buy in. Like you see, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of acts come and go. I've seen a lot of acts. I've seen a lot of acts on festivals this year, where it's like, man, I wish I could have that opportunity because you see this act who has huge record label money behind him, huge, huge team behind him in Nashville, and and they're just not connecting. Like they're not connecting at all. You, their follows aren't going up. They're, they're playing these huge festivals and great time slots, and I'm sure they're beating themselves too. But there's just and it's not that they're not genuine. It's just that they're, they're just not connected. I would, I would say that you have to connect somehow. The connectivity, the ability to connect, is almost more important than the genuineness of that uh, aspect. Maybe. Wow, that's a long rambling answer that really took me on. I was really thinking about that. <laughs> well, I'm happy you put some thought in it. And so, with you, you are. Country is, is more of a kind of a straightforward type, we're going to tell you a story type of music as yeah. opposed to some yeah. other different genres. And when you write songs, it, it's you telling a story about something that happened to you or something that happened on the road, something that happened generally. You may throw some metaphors and some, some similes in there, but for the most part, it's a storytelling aspect of things. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you're more Clayton when you're on stage or you're just sitting back like you were today? writing songs and, and kind of tweaking some things and getting it right for stage. Um, you know, I think, you know, there is a switch that you turn on and it's like, man, you get this bolt of energy and a bolt of excitement that you cannot find anywhere except being on stage and in front of people. And, and it does turn it like, it gets me fired up. It gets me so excited. I, I can't, uh, I have a lot of energy on stage. Um, I'm pretty laid back off stage. Like I'm real chill. I like to put my feet up, take it easy. I'm slow walker. I don't walk fast. I don't do anything fast. I've, been, I've, got, oh, I've had a lot of girlfriends get mad at how slow I move sometimes <laughs> and how slow I do things. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely, there's a switch that 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 I turn on when I get that. It's like, okay, it's game time. Even like basketball, though, you know, it's like growing up playing sports. It's like, man, you had to, you turn, you were ready to turn it on. You. you when it was game time, you had to go. So, 
Um, I think for me, it's I hard, it's just our shows have always had so much energy in them. Um, I love entertaining the crowd. Uh, I love feeding off the energy of the crowd. It doesn't matter if it's a, a room, a small room packed with a hundred people. Um, to me, that energy could be bigger than a huge field. If the field is too big and doesn't have enough people, might have 10,000 people out there, but if the field's too big, you might not be able to feel that energy like you can feel it in a tiny little room. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think there's, there's two, there's two sides to me, uh, both very genuine sides. Um, but, uh, but at the end, but I'm still the same person. I mean, heck, I'll still cut up on stage. I just don't. I here's my thing about like you earlier when you were talking about the production of like a big thing. Even country music has huge productions now. My gosh, Thomas Rhett was like a rock. I mean, like his show last year or before COVID, I was mind blown how huge the production was. It was very impressive. Um, even 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 more country country acts like Trace Atkins still has a huge production that that kind of goes with the show um, where, you know, I've never had that yet. So we were pretty bones dry. We play, we just get out there and it's like kind of like a band, man. I, I say we're Midwestern rock and roll. We love to get out there and rock and play and feed off one another's bandmates where, as if you do get into a production situation, you know, there are cues that you have to follow. You can't stray too much. Um, I remember G Easy. My friends filmed a film for G Easy. They filmed all of his touring stuff, and I remember them saying that he said one time that he was like stuck in Groundhog's Day because like he had a drummer on stage and a keyboard player, and that was it. So like everything had to be the same every night. Whereas we definitely mix our show up, and I always love that about David Matthews Band and going to see those guys, um, the Dave Matthews bands. They they always, you never knew what was going to happen, and and they would stop the show sometimes and do cool stuff, which I think, which I love is being a being a fan of music. I really love and enjoy. It. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I saw the band Camino play live in Houston, and they just you'd seen clips and, and and bits and pieces of their shows before they got to Houston, and it was completely different. The setup was completely different. How they did the show was different. And uh, they just randomly stopped in the middle of the concert and had this dude propose on stage to his girlfriend. Yeah, it's like that's awesome. things like that, these unplanned events where, like, you really see how these guys are when they're not on a, a script or, or a rundown. Like, you, yeah. genuine, very like authentic reactions. Like, hey, this dude just pulled out a ring. Yeah, like yeah, and you kind of like really that. Awesome. Like, I like that. Like, I even like making up my set list this, the day of the show. It drives my band crazy sometimes because it <laughs> might be like an hour before the show and I don't have it done. So, it, it, yeah, it's you. I like changing it up. You never know how you're kind of feeling. There's always kind of like a. It's kind of it's fairly scripted. Like you know, you're, we're going to do this and these things go together nicely and this maybe happen here and whatever, but. There's always there's always a great thing if you're like it's it's live so get live and the crowd I love feeding off the crowd I just it's the crowd is just as important as us um, and and it's really cool because they can give us cues heck I'll, I mean, who knows you never know what we'll do <laughs> that's what I love that's what I love about our show you just never know what might happen right and you have such a different performing environment than the other two people I've talked to so far where. They're you know doing TV or they're doing podcasts or they're doing you know stuff in a studio. You're 
among people who paid money to see you. And like they're going to get their money's worth type of thing. And that's that's insane. Uh, I want to go back to a, a point you said with some of the bigger acts. You know, you've been around people who are, who are big in your industry, who are big names that people know. Do you feel like there's a you, you mentioned there's a, a little bit of a disconnect. Do you feel like uh, is that a is that a common trend and and is that a bad thing to lose your your authenticity when you get bigger like that? Is it is it a sellout type thing or? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I, maybe I came across wrong. Um, I would say that I mean, like, when, if you become a bigger act, obviously you got to play bigger. You got to play bigger shows. You got to play bigger arenas. Um, it's you know you got to make money, but uh, and, and if and if you're authentic and obviously if you've gotten to that point you're connecting with the crowd um sometimes i see acts on on big stages um big stage small stage they're they're the opening act say um and and they just can't connect with they're just not connecting with the audience somehow and and it's i think that's the hardest thing to do because it doesn't matter how much money you throw behind something how much production you put beside behind something if, if the act cannot connect with the crowd, um, then, because at the end of the day, it's live music. It doesn't matter how many TikTok hits you have, how many, how many streams you have, like, you have to, you have to perform. You have to play a live show. That's where you make money is selling tickets. So, um, yeah, I definitely think like huge acts still, I mean, Kenny Chesney is incredible. He can play a stadium and he can connect to the back row. You know, he's got so much energy. Um, Garth Brooks, same way. I've seen him in a, I've seen him in a, a small bar in Chicago. I've seen him in Vegas uh, as as uh, Vegas show that he had. I, I've seen him in an arena, and I've also seen him in a stadium. And the dude, the dude's the greatest performer ever. You know, uh, it's just he's just able to connect, and that's that's what makes him. And I think that's what makes all of us. He, I was telling my friend today, I said, it doesn't matter how much money we try to put in some kind of marketing plan or trying to push a video out to get some, reach new fans and sell them. The biggest thing is playing a show and some person discovers us there. That's when we get the most follows. That's when, that's when we see streaming numbers go up. It's, it's all for, for us, it's all about connecting in the live show. And I think if you're going to have success in the music business, although obviously, um, some of these, op- I mean, I wish I could have that opening spot. That's why I'm like, I wish I could have that opening spot. Cause I know we, I know we can connect where some of these guys just, some of these bands and different things, just, they can't, they're just not connecting and they're on this huge stage. And I, sometimes I just get envious. I hate to be that way, but sometimes I'm like, man, I just wish I had that slot. Cause there's only so many slots that go around. Right. So you're saying the the most important aspect of being a a musician that is you know making music and doing all these different things is connecting rather than yeah. like you said it's it's more important than being genuine and authentic on stage it's just connecting with people yeah i think so 100% you could come out you could come out dressed up like a clown and if you connect then by golly you're going to have a great 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 career um it doesn't matter if you're playing a role, if that's who you are, if, if you're like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter as long as you can connect. But I think if you connect, you do have to have, 
which again though these people who are connecting they they do have an authenticity to them they're also a genuine person there's also a lot of nice people i've met through music who've had a chance and didn't make it they lost their deal and they're gone and they no longer even play music but um it's so to say that they're not authentic or genuine i think doesn't really matter it's it's that ability to connect can 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 the crowd can you reach the crowd? Can you reach people? Can you move them? Can you make them want to follow you? And and I think uh, I think you can do it by being authentic or not. I, I think there's a lot of but there is an authenticity too. Of, of again, there is an authenticity of playing to playing a character, going out there like uh, Deadmau or I never can't say it right. Deadmau or Deadmau. So all these, you know, he started that whole DJ thing, Marshmallow, who's yeah. got a mask on, you know? I mean, like, I don't think a lot of people would look at that from, as a country guy. I can't, I'm just saying it from a country fan. I don't think, like, I don't know. To me, that's definitely like playing a character. That's not really genuinely who that guy is. He doesn't walk around in his house like that all day. But it's authentic and it connects and it connects in a huge way. I think with absolutely no music experience at all, I, I think it's just about finding your demographic. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, this, oh, yeah. this show is you know, nothing if not for the people that can connect to it. And, and like, and people listen to this show. I have talked to people in the past like, Hey, we just like it. You know, it's kind of a conversation or whatever. Some people like crime podcasts. People who mm-hmm. listen to crime podcasts are not going to listen to my podcast and be amazed by the fact that I am so talented or, or or so you know genuine in the way I ask questions. They don't they don't want to hear about a a cold case in Malibu twenty five years ago. They don't care about me. I think that's yeah. part of the problem sometimes because people kind of you know the, the mixing of genres and it may not be someone's cup of tea sometimes. And it's it's got to be hard for you guys on stage when it's not really connecting. There's not really that connection. Just because of a, yeah. a situation, you know, it's not because it's your fault or their fault. It's just situational. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I totally agree. It's it's uh, you got to find your niche. You got to go out there and find your niche and build it, and, and people come. You know, it's kind of like that. It was that old movie that Tom, uh, Kevin Costner. If you build it, they will come. You know, so I think I think you just really, and that's that goes back to being genuine. Just stay true to yourself. Stay true to your art. You know, it's just art. Whether you're whether you're being whether the real you is up there on stage or, or a persona, persona is the great word. That's what I'm trying to be. That's the word I've been looking for the whole time. Whether it's you or a persona, you have to stay true to that. And uh, I think people, if it's good, people come along for the ride, you know? Right. No, I, I completely understand that. One thing we'll, we'll get to and then we'll let you go. Thank you so much again for making time. Uh, yeah. Do you feel pressure when you're trying to come up with new music, new ideas for songs to fit the the constant, like the, the, the consistent model of like love song here, rock song here, kind of like this poppy country here, and then, you know, traditional country. Do you feel pressure writing songs or do you just have this, I'm going to be Clayton in everything I do? Yeah, I just, honestly, I just have me in everything I do. Um, even if I pick an outside song, I've, I've picked songs that I didn't even write before to record. And that's, and when I do, it's like, my gosh, I would have wrote that song. That's how I feel about it. Um, 
but only us, for example. I did not write that song, but the moment I heard it, I was like, man, I wish I sure did. <laughs> and luckily, I was I was lucky enough that the writers and the guys would let me record it. Um, and it's doing it's doing incredible right now for us. But uh, uh, yeah, when when it comes to my writing, I I just kind of write from my heart, write from experiences. Um, it's always something real. Uh, I've been on a roll here recently, luckily. You go through ebbs and flows of, man, this song stinks, or, or you're on some good stuff. But, man, recently I'm on some really, 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 really good stuff. Uh, I hope I hope I can continue that ride. A little bit of everything, really. A little bit of... Uh, it's tough because most... I mean, coming as a live performer, I, I want to do upbeat songs. I, You know, so I've always... Usually it's, it's people telling me, hey, you might need to try to write like something a little slower to give, uh, give, give the audience something different. But, um, I, I don't feel the pressure about it. I just kind of go in and write what's in the room. If I'm co-writing with someone or take an idea in or, or run with someone else's idea when we get in there and, uh, and see what, see, see what kind of thing we can make up and, and, uh, and sing, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's songwriting. I think is the coolest thing ever. It's really, it's really, really hard, um, but yet so simple at the same time. It's it's so so beautiful. So there's no outside influences. It's like, hey, you need to do this or um, this. Yeah, TikTok. TikTok is <laughs> a huge influence right now. It makes yeah. me mad. Uh, I was joking around the other day that songs are going to become like 45 seconds to a minute long, and that's going to be the song. You know. Uh, songs have recently, you know, back in like Buddy Holly times, like the song might be two minutes, you know, that was the longest song and the Beatles came around and all that, you know, that became like more of an album thing and songs were longer. Um, but man, with everybody's attention span today, it's like, <laughs> get to the hook, get to the chorus, <laughs> make it all hooky. Uh, let's do a dance to it. Let's do a challenge. Uh, it's it's a crazy world right now. It's a crazy crazy world. So, I fight, um, not fight, but experimenting. I guess. I mean, if you maybe experimenting in that world a little bit um, to see what could stick. I'm I'm curious to see how it goes. I I don't know. Curious to see. Obviously, people can make a lot of money on the internet, but uh, curious to see if that leads to ticket sales or. Surely would. I mean, if you're if you're growing a following, I, I would think that it would definitely lead to ticket sales. I mean, I've seen some comedians do that. Like, you blow up huge on YouTube and then have these uh, sell out everywhere they go. So, yeah, TikTok is a huge influence right now. There, I think that's probably the biggest influence there is. It's everyone's trying to do it. Everyone's trying to ride it. Everyone's just trying to throw up something outrageous that'll stick or something clever i mean i remember you were on pat mcafee's show our mutual friend and he suggested that you were writing you know minute songs for instagram yeah like he kind of predicted that trend going forward and it just it happened it blew up obviously during the during quarantine but like he called that in 2019 yeah he was saying that years ago he's pretty smart dude man he he is uh he's ahead of the game when it comes to uh internet just He's he's a smart smart man. He uh, he's he's very impressive. And uh, yeah, so he was on it before anything. I should have 
I tried. I try. I really tried writing, but it, it changes everything how you write it. You have to write completely different if you're going to do that. If you're going to do something new, I don't know. It's hard. I haven't. I honestly haven't figured it out in two years. Three years. So, two years. Yeah, it's it's definitely. I can imagine it's not. You you have the structure of, of doing things for years and years, and like, okay, we're going to change it immediately. It's it's yeah. hard to adjust and and have that acclimation period. It's. I, I can't, yeah, you got you got to change though. You got to change to get out the way. That's for sure. Right. That's, that's why I keep reminding myself. You better you better change your <laughs> you get left behind. The only thing I know is I I used to fall asleep to Heartland Radio, and I would just know it was a new episode every time I heard your voice come on. <laughs> yeah. Kick it on back and crack a cold one. We should do that. I was talking to Tom McComas the other day. I need to finish that song. Or heck, maybe just put out the chorus. Who knows? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the TikTok song. I know. <laughs> maybe that'll blow up. I know you have some built-in fans through that song. Yeah. You know that they have they pulled numbers back when they were all together. But uh, you, you would definitely get a lot of people listen to that song right off the bat that you normally probably wouldn't have in your demographic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Heck, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. I'm gonna check the timing time on that. That, that might be our new TikTok sensation. <laughs> oh man hey thank you so much for the time uh they can find your your latest release only us available on everywhere music is sold uh my one of my favorite songs by you is tennessee take me down by the way oh, brilliant thanks man that song's still kid crushing that that song people didn't think would do anything like uh really and uh that song has just taken its own life which is really cool that's an organic thing that's people Loving it, harding it on Spotify, adding it to their playlist, adding it to their thing. It's really, really, it's been cool to see that happen. That's never happened. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll keep growing. Uh, do you have anything to promote? Uh, nothing really. We're just going to be out the rest of the summer doing lake shows. Uh, you can find us at ClaytonAndersonOfficial.com for all our tour dates. And uh, uh, follow us on Instagram at Clayton Anderson. That's where I do. Oh, and TikTok, because that new TikTok is <laughs> got Clayton Anderson music. Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, we have a pretty big following in the Midwest, uh, specifically Minnesota for some reason. Never, never. Nice. I don't know. I've never done a show in Minnesota, but people seem to love me up there. So if you're in Minnesota and you're within a reasonable driving distance to go see Clayton Anderson, please do so. Clayton, I thank you so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. And I'll talk again soon. Ford Clayton Anderson. I'm Riley James. If anyone cares. On the line from Kansas City, Missouri or Kansas? Doesn't matter. All right. On the line in Kansas City, in one of the two states Kansas City is in. A man that you know and love, who's been on the show plenty of times, an educational performer, MC, comedian, boxer, you know him, Cam Awesome. What's going on, man? So, what's up, man? Uh, most people don't realize that half of Kansas City is in Missouri and other half's in Kansas. And the people who do realize it are just so rivalry-ish about it that I don't even like to mention which side I'm in. Hey, I've been to both. I went to both in August of last year. Both kind of lovely. Yeah, obviously Missouri gets a lot of the credit for having the Chiefs and the Royals, but like you know, Kansas side. Sporting KC. Yeah, Sporting Kansas in Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Go 
Go SKC, I guess. Go all Midwest, right? <laughs> right. Uh, that's that's good, but it's it's so good to have you back on. We usually kind of riff, and you you were on four episodes by yourself. You're on fifty, and we wanted to have you on here because what you do for money is entertain people to an extent. You educate people, but you entertain people um, almost at all facets of your job. So I wanted to to have you on to discuss this very very interesting thing that popped in my head a few weeks ago to do as a show and to, to ask you a very very simple question of a manufactured performance can that still be genuine cam okay and when you say manufactured performance can we get a clear definition of what we both mean so for me a manufactured performance is you going up let's just say you're speaking to kids at a school, right? You have this this idea of what you're going to say. It's something you've rehearsed. It's something you've done in the past. It's this clear set thing that you have prepared. It's not like a, a conversation where you and I were just talking off air for a few minutes that was completely genuine. It was you and I did not prepare for it. You and I just went in and had a conversation like we always do before the show. This is a prepared statement and a performance that you were about to give to children to tell them not to be terrible at life. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I give you the the legit answer. Does the audience know it's rehearsed? Uh, n- my guess would be no. Then that's your answer. It is one hundred percent genuine. Despite the fact that you have prepared for it, despite the fact you have. Uh, putting all this time to to make sure that every single point kind of, like connects and makes sense. It's oh, still as a... long as as long as the message, because what I'm doing is I'm disseminating information. If that information is disseminated in a way that comes off genuine to the person who receives it, that that really has nothing to do with me. Okay. Uh, but I will say it is hard to be able to pull that off. So what I do in my speeches is I have slides and I know what slides next. So like, if I know there's a slide of, let's say, uh, a motivational quote that's, that's up next. I know wherever I bring this conversation, it has to get back to that quote. So there's still spontaneous things that happen. I do crowd work, uh, and I'm in the moment a lot, but my overall message, the, the standard, my standard message, it's there. But where it does come off hard is interviews because it's, I've been asked the same 10 questions a million times. And I don't know if you've noticed, I don't really answer the questions that people ask. Oh, no, I've never noticed that before about you, Cam. (laughs) And it's because it's hard. You put me in a box and you ask me to answer a question. So if you want, here's the thing. There are performers and there are people who who perform as performers. Like, I don't have to, like, for me, I, this is what I do. This is who I am. I will answer your questions in a roundabout way, but I'll do it in, but I am, this is, this, I am genuine who I am. If I know I have to, here's an example. Uh, for the last two weeks, I've been teaching this curriculum. 
uh, social emotional learning for for students. And this is the first time I've ever done something in, in such a manner. They give me everything I'm, I should say in, a, in the instruction manual. Uh, but I do have free range to allow the conversation to go where, where it needs to go. But there's a list of questions I need to ask the students before the, the two-hour session's over. Uh, I decided just to make mine into a open conversation. And in the open conversation, I decided to slip in those questions that supposed to that I'm supposed to ask. The people who who hired me were a little thrown off because they had all these slides and they had this thing that they wanted me to, to present. But I didn't feel like doing that because that was more work and it seemed silly. Uh, but they ended up loving it and they hired me back. Uh, so I found a way to make give the information but still be genuine. So I, I think so. Uh, I think the answer is yes. You can be genuine. So... In, uh, so you have this kind of i don't want to call it a character but obviously when you're speaking to to kids or you're speaking in a very professional setting where someone has hired you to convey information to other people that is the, the one side of cam that we see but you've done comedy in the past where you have added that f as your middle name and you like oh. you've kind of played up this whole character is that still genuine even though you've you've recognized it's two different things that you do oh i would say the latter is the genuine one i i don't give when i give you the f i give you all of me okay if if you're hiring me to go somewhere you don't get that f you don't deserve that f because you couldn't afford the f <laughs> riley you get the f but if if a, if a school hires me they don't get that f so they get the reserved camp they don't get all of camp so is the reserve cam as genuine as the F or are you playing this character or are you performing a performance? No, no, because at the end, I just won't say the word, f but, and I knew you don't want to edit that. So it's the only reason I knew I had to curse at least once. All right. Seven sixteen. But, <laughs> but, uh, I, I just don't say any curse words, but all of my opinions are still the same. Like I was giving a talk and someone asked me on my, my thoughts on drugs. What were my thoughts on drugs? And I let them know that I wasn't there to speak on drugs. And if I were to speak on drugs, it would take two hours to undo all the negative perceptions they already have in their mind of what drugs are. Now, I didn't say I did drugs. I didn't say I wouldn't do drugs, but I didn't answer. If the right, the, the thing I should have said, Riley, the thing I should have said was, hey, kids, don't do drugs. But I can't do that because I'm genuine. And I do believe that there's some drugs you should probably do for some people. Uh, so. So your, your perception of this question, because you took it a, a different way than I did, um, well, maybe not, because you're being earnest and, and very honest in your own way while also still being a performer. Because I, I'm i going to answer this later in the show, but for me, it, it's all about being as earnest as you possibly can while, while recognizing that you still have to not be terrible at talking into a microphone. Give me, earnest. Give me your definition of earnest. 
you have to be um so to be earnest it's it's very i don't want to it's not vulnerable but it's it's very 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 honest and very very open and you have to yeah transparent you you have to to lay it all out there to be to be earnest and uh, I try to do that with these shows, with, with the people. But I also have to recognize that I still have to interview you or coordinate or host a show. So for me, it kind of bounces back and forth that way. So it's good that you have that same type of philosophy where I still have to do this, but I am not letting this public persona of who these kids or who these people think I am take over when they ask me a question that is not on script. Yeah, and, and also I realize, and I know this in my heart, and it's clear, I'm not there for no other reason besides the fact that I'm me. And if I gave the answer that a teacher would give, then there would be no need for me to be there. Right. And that's essentially the same the same reason I do this podcast. I interview people in a very, very different way than most people interview people. And if... I mean, these people that I, I talk to, you may know who they are, you may not, but they're on the show because of they know me or they, they liked me in the preliminary meeting. And the reason the show exists is because it's my show and it's uniquely my show. And it's taken different forms, but it's it's still here. But you can, you can literally be the, the way I am, the way in boxing and the way I kind of do things against the rules and... You can be that of whatever your industry is in your life. If you're a teacher, if you're, uh, if Riley for, for you, I mean, you should forge your own lane in life and do things the way you'd want to do it. Uh, and I think you can be genuine in anything you do. So whether it's a performance or whether you're giving an interview, like you, Riley, you're amazing at giving interviews. Uh, you are Who's my favorite? My favorite interviewer is uh, the guy from Hot Ones, Sean. Uh, I'm not familiar. Uh, oh man, uh, he he does he interviews people when they he asks them uh, about hot wings. They they eat hot wings, hot sauce. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, no, I'm familiar with the concept and I know that show, but I, I don't know the guy's name. He is the greatest interviewer I've ever ever heard. You are up there with him, man. Oh, and wow. the fact that you're so young. Is is I think that's amazing, and you can be you're genuine, and you knew all these questions that you were going to ask before you called me. So I do believe that you can be genuine. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who this is how the this is the, the the reverse of that. There are people who let's say uh, let's say let, let's go let's say uh, a pastor, right? Right. Everyone in the community looks up to the pastor or whatever, and then you find out like, and he's he's preaching all this good stuff, and you respect him, and he, and he's giving you great advice, right? And he's changing everyone's lives. He's giving great sermons, but then you find out that he's like cheating on his wife, and he's doing a bunch of drugs, and he beats his kids. At, at that point, he's giving you a good a good performance. But it's dis, it's disingenuous. Okay, so I see I see the I see what you're trying to do with the with the role model and Malcolm Gladwell is not a good example, but 
forgive, forgive me for, for ruining the point, but no, I, I get, I get it. So, um, it's, it's most essentially coming down to being a good person at the end of the day. And what's the definition of that? Because that's where our problems lie in this country. That I, I suppose you're probably right. Maybe, you know, don't cheat on your wife and hit your kids. Yeah, I'd start there. Yeah, at least, that's, that's in my top twenty, though. That's probably at least. That's probably a good start, considering I don't have a <laughs> wife and or children. <laughs> so I, I think I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's not in your top five. <laughs> right, right. So it's it's just if you're going to like I I say I joke all the time that I come on I come on here and play act as a good interviewer and someone who, who does this and is somewhat good at it. Um, but for me, this is something that I, I love doing. And I think for, for me to be disingenuous would be me dreading sitting up here and basically kind of lying uh, in, in its own way. But like, I love doing this. I was looking forward to talking to you and you and I had a scheduled time where, uh, you know, you, you, could make it and we had to bump it a little bit but like that whole hour i'm yeah, like sorry about that no you no it's quite all right but like that whole hour i'm like man i really want to do this i really want to do this now like it was like, like i was itching at me i've done i've done 59 of these shows but i'm like i'm still i want to go i want to go i, I want to go and not even just 15 because i've done you know 70 of the old show i used to host we're on 36 of what the the new show that i'm hosting you know i did 74 of the other one like i've done this 200 and 300 times and I still want to go. So I think for me, that's the most genuine outpouring I can give, which yeah, I think you found is your thing, man. That's so dope, which I think is, is what you're trying to say. I think that's kind of the example. Yeah. Like you just want to be there and do it. Like you want to be an educational performer. You want to be an MC. You want to be a teacher. You want to be all these different things and you show up and you, you give it your best effort and you tell the kids exactly what you believe. Maybe not all of what you believe, but pertaining to the topic at hand, you tell them what yeah. you believe. Because that's, I think that's the key to unlocking all this. You have to believe what you're saying. And I think you do. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I didn't believe everything I believed because I say everything I believe. <laughs> but like another example is when I go to schools and kids are like, what do you think about college? Nah, you know what I think about college, Riley. So, uh, but what I do say is, because they do not have the F, I say, I'm not here to speak about that. Let's talk about drugs. <laughs> oh, man. Cam, awesome. This was a, a fantastic little bit. I, I came to you first with this idea, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Oh, thank you. This sparked a conversation in my household because my girl, like I do these assemblies, and I do the same assembly. I've done it like the same topic over a thousand times. So I just, I make up new stuff on the spot because I'm just bored. Uh, and just to kind of keep me entertained. But you asked that question. I, I, I read the text of my girl and she was like, that's a, that's a good question because she's trying to break out of, she's, she's very introverted. She's trying to break out of her box and write a blog and she's doing interior design and she feels like she has to put on a performance just to hear her voice. That's that is an interesting thing because I I haven't dealt with that because I'm naturally extroverted. Not shy. To, yeah. Right, I I can do this and and not feel bad. Like I get nervous sometimes, 
kind of doing this, but for me, if I'm not nervous, then, then why am I, why am I here? Um, that's such an interesting thing. Cause I haven't even considered someone who is, who is not like a natural entertainer, but has to put on for their job. Like that's a fascinating thing. I've, I didn't even consider. So I'm happy. I'm happy this conversation was sparked up in your, in your house because you two are obviously very different from, if you're telling me that, oh, uh, she's, different. yeah. And that usually works. You kind of balance each other out and, and, Things you're bad at, she's good at. Things she's bad at, you're good at. So it's kind of, it's one of those things. But no, that's a yeah. fascinating thing. So how'd that conversation go? Was there a resolution we're to st- it? We're still figuring it out. Oh, uh, wow. Because because she's trying to break out of box and be more of that. And for me, I need to, I should be posting a lot of videos, Riley. Uh, I should be posting videos about my content, the topics I'm speaking on in school to give clarity on what I do. But Riley... I don't really care. Uh, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I, I, I don't want to do social media stuff. Uh, I just, I just want to play with my dog in my backyard. Uh, but I need to be better at my job. So, uh, be more extroverted. And I got to be more like Riley. And that's, well, that's not true. If that's, um, anything I would, I would say is that, we love our jobs. Like, Cam, you love your job. I love my job. I think what we do here is fantastic. But at the end of the day, people, like, say, oh, yeah, you have, like, the best job in the world. I'm like, yeah, but I still hate parts of it because you hate every part of it. <laughs> like, everyone hates part of their job, whether you love the job or you don't. But my percentage is relatively smaller than the, than the average American, which is something I'm incredibly grateful for. Oh, yeah, Riley, we, we can't really – I can't tell my complaints to people. Um, oh yeah, no, neither can I. Yeah, they don't count. It's like, yeah, yeah. I I didn't I didn't get the the the, the suite at the Hilton. Like, I had to stay in a regular room like a commoner, <laughs> but they did pay me to go. <laughs> yeah, I have to edit shows in the comfort of my own home with um with snacks and and drinks around me. Yeah, what a life. Yeah. Oh, one one school uh, one school pushed pushed the uh, a talk back thirty minutes, virtually, virtually, in my own home. That was my complaint. I, like I had nothing to do for thirty minutes. Yeah, I guess the mine committed to two o'clock, and we had to do it at three. So I had an hour where I was just sitting there. Yeah, that's that's my complaint. Oh man, it must be rough. <laughs> And you know what? You deserve this lifestyle because you've given sacrifices to be in the position that you are. Ah, yeah. That's that's one you way to look at it. Could have been a team dad. That's one way to look at it. I, I I don't know, man. We're just we're making it. We're doing we're doing everything we can. But you're living your dream, man. Yeah, I am. There's a lot more to the dream than than this but this is a fantastic start i like it nevertheless um at cam f awesome on twitter and instagram um you have a website www.camfawesome.com go book them to speak at your school and other things what you do you do like not just schools you do like all kinds of events don't you 
Yeah. Uh, I've been doing mostly uh, diversity training for uh, organizations and businesses. Yeah. And then I realized I'm talking to these adults like children because I should be going to talk to children. Uh, so now I talk to children about the same stuff. But it's all interesting. It's fun. Nevertheless, book them and pay them money to do stuff. www.camfawesome.com, at camfawesome, Twitter and Instagram. Anything else to promote or you? are you good? No, I'm good, Riley. I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, man, for, for making the time. I am appreciative of you as well. Um, this was an interesting conversation that I'm, I'm happy you, uh, you engaged in. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Uh, for KMF Awesome, I'm Riley James, if anyone cares. On the line from Tempe, Arizona, friend of mine, my co-host for R&R, someone who is someone who's a performer in his own right, Ryan Wintel. Ryan, what's going on, man? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, your second time on the show, or third time on the show, rather. Uh, you oh, had yeah. one full show, and this is your second segment. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually had completely forgotten about the first one that I did. I was going to say that I'm me back too. for round two. <laughs> <laughs> me too because we did the we did the bowl game um that was one of the first times of us actually getting together on a microphone because that's before r&r started yeah it feels like a lifetime ago yeah we've had a lot of things happen since then um <laughs> yeah as you know yeah the the poor the 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 main reason i want you on the show today and it feels weird because i we just did r&r about i don't know 10 minutes ago so i'm still in the r&r mode instead of the interview mode so I'm finding, I'll find my feet. I'm giving you a, a behind the scenes look at, at me finding my way back to, hey, you have to ask questions in, in an effective manner. The The central point of today's show that we've had with, you know, three amazing guests so far, and we're going to wrap it up with you, is performing. And you are a podcaster. You have been on camera before. You have done plenty of things in your life where you've had to put on a performance. Uh, other than just Ryan Wintel at home watching baseball with his dog. Like yes. that's, you know, that's like the most Ryan Wintel thing I've ever heard. Uh, you can be you in that sense, but you performing is a big part of everyone's life, but more particularly us and, and our podcast and the podcast that you host and, and the people we've had on the show today. So I, I'll ask you the same question. I asked them, can a manufactured performance that you have put together that you are, are getting ready to introduce and, and perform for people, can that still be a genuine performance despite the fact that you have prepared it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we were talking that we literally just did R&R like 10, 15 minutes ago. And when we do that show, that is very, very similar to the same way that you and I are when, when we're not recording a show. But there's a little performative aspect to that where – it, it's tough not to we know that i see the microphone in front of my face i know that people are going to hear this so i'm mindful of that but i don't think i'm any more mindful of that than i am when maybe i'm speaking to my boss or i'm speaking to a family member right you know there's you act a little bit differently around different people uh so when you're you're doing a performance like that you're still being your genuine self you're just kind of being a version of it so you you put on for R and R because you have me to riff off of. You do these very interesting things that I could never do, which is a 
podcast by yourself, like, you know, the sports desk and, and the movie review, review podcast, obviously the sports desk is taking a break with the off season right now. The, the standalone, like just talk for an hour by yourself thing. Um, there's a performance aspect in that just on its own. So, do you feel more Ryan Wenzel when you're with me or when you're doing shows by yourself? That's a good question. Uh, probably if, if I'm being honest, probably when I'm, when I'm with you doing R and R because when I'm doing R and R, I'm not sitting there thinking about how I'm going to fill time. I'm not really thinking about the next thing that we need to get to on that show. You know, y- you host, so you are the one who, you know, works on those transitions and things like that, where I can sit there and really just speak off the top of my mind. I mean, we know topics that we're going to talk about coming into it, but R&R is, is more genuine, I'd say, than the sports desk, because the sports desk, I'm trying to get across ideas and almost preemptively answer people's questions, because you're sitting there listening to an hour long podcast. You can't, you you can't ask me to clarify my opinions. I need to preemptively think, okay, how can somebody misunderstand this and how can I better explain it? So they don't. And those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking about when I'm putting that show together or, you know, even while I'm doing it, I'm trying to remember, Hey, I want to make sure that I get around to, you know, talking about Kyler Murray and talking about young quarterbacks. I know the direction that I want to move in, and I want to make sure that I'm getting there in the best way possible. So I'd say R&R is, is, is a far more genuine experience for me. So would you, you just said more genuine experience for you. So obviously we perform with R&R. We, we have these moments of, hey, I want to be funny here. Or here's an opportunity to slip in a callback from you know the previous 37 episodes because that's what kind of what we did today with um, <laughs> with me saying oh that's the way it's always been done because you said in the previous episode that you hate that that's me being mindful of like people who listen to the show more than likely are going to listen to this one as well they listen to 37 they're going to listen to 38 they're going to appreciate that joke that's me understanding that that's that's going to be referenced. That's going to be a reference that they remember from the previous show. When we're talking as friends, it's kind of the same thing as an inside joke of something that happened last time we were together. It's something that happened four years ago that we still laugh about. It's, I relate it to the same way as like, as, as an inside joke. Like it's such a, a pivotal part of friendships to have, that moment where hey remember that time we did this stupid thing together that we still laugh about or remember this thing that we did that we got us in a ton of trouble it's like that on the show but people also get to share that with us so for me r&r is the most genuine thing that i can do but i'm also a very curious very curious person so when i do if anyone cares it's like i have a million questions for you but we'll probably get to about 20 in an hour so let me ask you as many as i can yeah like that's that's the show but it's a lot more prepared. You know, I come to R&R, we have like three things we're going to talk about. I've thought about what I've, you know, I, I don't just think about things during the show. Like I, I kind of think about it. What do I feel now? And then two days later, okay, how can I make it funny for Thursday's show? And then we do it. This show is like months and months of like thinking about what is the most interesting thing I can ask that I care about 
that also most people would care about. And that's kind of the point of today's show. So I'll ask you this. You said more genuine. That's the point I want to go with. When you're doing the sports desk or say the movie review, you have a prepared thing that you want to get to. Does it feel disingenuous? Because I know these are your opinions and you have to explain them. But does it feel disingenuous to do those shows at all? Do you ever feel like you're not being who you really are? For me personally, no. Because I got into sports media at a time where we were just a little past the the explosion of the the sort of hot takey culture the you know obviously Stephen A Smith and Skip Bayless have been around forever but where they really blew up during like that 2009 to 2012 2013 era and i've always been so turned off and repulsed by by the i by like the hot takiness in the direction that sports media went into with that. And I, I've, I've told you before when I'm making the sports desk, really that show in particular, I'm making it for me. I, I make that show as something that I would want to listen to. And those are the, the other types of sports media that I go to is I like really genuine analysis of you know it's it's not the it's not the easiest way to get people to click on something of it's a lot easier to say oh wow this person is terrible because of x y and z than going well you know what he's probably closer to middle of the road he's not great at this but he does this this and this that makes up for it but that's still not good enough for you to stick around with mitch trubisky or whatever right so with that show it is very genuine to me because I do try to be very measured and very calculated in the topics that I pick and the way that I go about them. So for me, that show is, is very genuine. That's fair because you, you and I are having a conversation about things that we had previously planned to talk about, which is very, very similar to what we do before the show and even when we start the show, but before we do the intro of uh, we have conversation X here, conversation Y here. And then the show is conversation Z. It's like we have this whole thing, but we have two things that are just as interesting and just as, as on the spot. Like you and I just talked about, you know, the new name and likeness uh, image and likeness laws and, how people are using those and the and the benefits that people are getting from those just because that's a thing that you and I are both interested in because we're friends and R&R is a show of two friends talking about things that are absolutely ridiculous whether they be serious or not serious and I apologize the, the lightning and the thunder are just so bad right now and the power just went out so if you hear that on the mic my apologies but I I find it difficult for me sometimes to and this is not so much as being genuine or authentic or anything i find what i do to not necessarily be the most important because what we do is is pales in comparison to you know doctors and nurses and firefighters and um 
people actually have hard jobs rather than, hey, let's talk about Kyler Murray and how he might fit into Arizona's offense in his fourth year in the league. Like, like, who honestly? Like, that, that doesn't matter, but to a very specific group of people. People need firefighters to make sure their house doesn't burn down or can make sure it doesn't spread to somewhere else. You know, like, that's a real job. We need doctors to make sure that I can have a surgery to make sure I don't die when I don't have to. No one needs us. So I I struggle with that a lot of the time. And I struggle with the separation of Riley McManus and Riley James. Like Riley James is a character where I play act like I am good at this. When in actuality, I struggle with the fact that am I good at this? But I pretend like it. And for me, that's being disingenuous sometimes. Like I, I struggle with that. Like people who are good at music are good at music. People that are funny are funny. People that are... Incredible athletes are incredible athletes. I interview people for my job. That's not necessarily the the barometer for, like, people don't say, oh, yeah, he's a great interviewer because he's a great interviewer. People have very mixed opinions on people in media. You know, people hate Joe Buck. I love Joe Buck. But Joe Buck works for Fox and is one of the four best commentators for football for a reason. Like, people pay him a lot of money because, obviously, someone thinks he's good. The right person thinks he's good. If it was up to you know half the country, Joe Buck would never talk in a microphone ever again. And that's kind of the problem where I'm finding is like, I just there's so many people that hate everything, and that hate you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So to be completely earnest in the conversation that I'm having on the show today, and that's why I'm doing this with you because you and I host the show together. We've been friends for a long time. I feel comfortable telling you this in a very vulnerable and a very earnest moment that like I'm not always comfortable and or I'm always authentic. I'm not necessarily the most genuine with like I'm I feel how I feel because it's a requirement of my employment to feel confident on a microphone, but I'm not always that way type type of thing. I'm very genuine in the questions that I ask and a very curious person. Like I have so many different questions about people and what they do and their stories and everything. But like, I don't think that I'm the best all the time. And that's what people expect from media people is they expect them to always be confident and always be this. Cause I've gotten the thing. You have to be confident to do that. I'm like, no, you actually don't. You just have to be good sometimes. <laughs> and for the, the right people to hear that sometimes you being good, like it's, that's type of thing. Do you, do you agree in that sentiment? Do you ever have that struggle of like, I'm good when I need to be absolutely good, but I don't feel like I'm always good at this. Yeah. 100%. I think if, if you don't have a little bit of, of performance anxiety, then that's, that's insane to me. But even in, in situations like what you said, where you know what maybe you're not the most confident at at what you're doing in that moment you you need to either find that confidence or find a way to to sound confident in it to make it work and you know we're we're talking about being genuine and and, and all these different things with performances like you know I'm a I'm a huge pro wrestling fan and the people who who became the biggest stars in that industry are usually extensions of their own personality. Are they are they being their complete selves? No, because their complete selves probably isn't nearly as interesting as the character that they're being. But that character is still tied to who they are. 
right? Like, you, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the character and the guy are, are more similar than they are different. And I think that that's something that people see and people see through in any industry where people can tell when you're being completely fake or completely phony. But the, the more tethered that you are to who you actually are and how you're actually feeling, I think that people see that and they connect to it in a way, even subconsciously. People can see that and they can almost maybe they can't see it, but they can feel it. And I think that that comes across through any media, whether that's, you know, film, television, sports, whatever. I, I do really think that people can feel that. That's what Clayton Anderson said, connectivity to the audience and connectivity to the to the individual person. That's that's what makes performing worthwhile. And that's what makes it good is you don't he said it's more important than being genuine, which I I was taken aback. Like I, I, I kind of like sat back in my seat. I'm like, I, is that is that how you feel? And he explained it. I'm like, maybe it is. Maybe the person that you're pretending to be, whether it's a stage name or not, like Clayton Anderson, that's his name. Like that's his name. But there's a certain person that goes on stage that is kind of removed from Clayton Anderson. It's still him, and it's still pretty much the same guy. But you separate yourself a little bit. And it's like this wild out-of-body experience. Obviously, I haven't been on stage playing music in front of people, but I've been on stage before. It's a terrifying thing. I still get nervous sometimes doing a podcast in the safety of my own home as I'm looking out my window when it's pouring rain, because it always is pouring rain here. I still get shaky sometimes, like physically shaky. I still get nauseous. And I'm five years into this. And my whole thing is, is, is that ever going to go away? And the insecurity of like, if I'm still feeling this, am I not prepared enough? Or am I prepared, prepared too much? It's, it goes back and forth. It's like, am, what, am, what do I actually need to do? Because no one tells you what you need to do. You know this probably better than anyone else, Ryan. No one tells you how to podcast. No one tells you what you need to podcast. You, a laptop and a microphone is the bare necessity. Yeah. And it, obviously a, a podcast description yeah. to any of the hosting sites. But that's that's more detailed. But like you need a laptop and a microphone. And you can fit in an internet connection and you can figure it out. Right. Then go wild. Do whatever you want. But no one tells you how to do it. You just kind of have to figure it out. And my whole thing was, so I've been doing this for five years. What if I haven't figured it out the way that most people are supposed to figure it out? And that's... That's also the the fear that comes with trying something new and getting too far in and realizing that like, all right, am I doing this the right way? It's pretty much too late to turn it around now. And how do you how do you um, reconcile that with the way that most people do it? Or am I good enough to do do this very unique thing? Am I am I quirky enough? Am I am I do I fit the bill of doing something different? Because you, I mean you host a standalone hour podcast about football and, and other things but like that's so difficult to do and you don't really hear a lot of people do that they need other people to bounce off of so do you share that sentiment as well yeah i i think that's that's normal it's natural and quite frankly i think it's borderline important that it's a good thing because it, it means that you care if you just roll in and you're not, you know, a little nervous, so you're not worrying if something is good, it, it means that you don't really 
care about it. And like I said before, I think that's something that people can sense. Like when when I hear people on a podcast, I generally know whether I'm going to like it or not in in under five minutes, definitely. But usually within two or three, I can hear it in your voice, whether you believe in what you're saying, whether you care about this. And like I said, I think that comes across in in any kind of medium where you can you can see and you can feel passion and you can feel when people are trying at something and whether they believe in what they're doing, even if maybe it's not great. I'm sure if I go back and, you know, you, you I'm sure you feel this way as well. You go back and listen to stuff that you put out two and three years ago. And, you know, cringe isn't even a strong enough word because you're always going to be your own harsh, harshest critic. But it, those reps are important to get. And at the time, they felt good because y- you wanted to do it. You believed in it. So I think, you know, butterflies, whatever term that you want to you want to use for that level of performance anxiety of wanting something to be good. I think that's important for people to have because the day that you stop caring about whether something is good is the day that you probably shouldn't be doing it anymore. And I heard uh, Alexi Lawless came on the show and and talked about how he still gets butterflies doing television sometimes or, or commentating again sometimes or sitting down to record his podcast. Like that made me feel a little bit better. And, and, and Cam Awesome, the other guy that we haven't mentioned yet who has been on the show four times uh, five times if, if you count 50, but four like standalone episodes with, with just me and him. It was amazing to to hear him say, like, this is your thing. Like, you can hear it. Every time I, I've come on the show, every time I listen to this, this is your thing. And I think what you said is very important. It's what I mentioned a little bit with Clayton. It's like, you have to believe it. Like, you have to like genuinely believe that this is something that you want to do and that you're saying the things that you believe and you're doing the thing you want to do, and it's not forced in that way. It may feel forced because you're maybe trying something new or doing something out of your comfort zone, but if you really want to do it, it's not going to feel forced very long. Like, recording If Anyone Cares for the first time in April of 2017 felt very strange. Yeah. and But it gives me the same feeling as it does on July 22nd, 2021. And my main goal for my life is that it feels the same way at age 25 and 30 and 40 and 50, if podcasts are still a thing by the time I'm 50, I, I doubt it. I'm sure we'll move on to something else. But it gives me the same feeling every time. I was shaking during one interview this week because I, I admire the guy so much. And it gives me the nerves to go and do it. And even when I go to different games and, and cover different events, like it's 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 shaky. Like I walked in NRG Stadium for the first time, uh, the home of the Houston Texans of the NFL. I walked in there. It's seventy thousand capacity, and like this press box is nice. It's it's the nicest thing I've ever been in in my life. And there's no way I should have been there. And when you walk in, you get your credentials. Like okay, this is real. You have to not be an idiot. Like you've gotten this far. Why mess it up now? And it's like, you feel like you don't deserve these things, but you're, my whole thing is, and this goes back to NFL players, let's go back to people in media, let's go back to anyone. You're worth exactly what someone's willing to pay you. You're worth exactly what someone's willing to give you as far as an opportunity, as far as anything. People thought I was worth the, the investment and they gave me the opportunity to do a game at 
17 years old in a stadium that was bigger than anything I've ever been in in my life as a media member. So it, it has to come down to you have to believe, not even in yourself, you have to believe that what you're doing is is important. And then maybe some way you'll believe in yourself along the way. Yeah, I think overcoming that initial uh that initial feeling of being a burden to people like for you it would, the the example would be even just requesting media credentials right is being able to overcome that i think is much more important than the the feeling of imposter syndrome of like wow am i good enough to be doing this that to me is normal and i don't think that's a hindrance to people the hindrance to people is when you're you're struggling to begin and you're struggling to get that first step due to you know paralysis by analysis imposter syndrome whatever you want to call it um but it's overcoming that initial burden and the burdens that come after that are natural if that makes sense my thing is is i tell people my my cousin started a podcast very recently and i told him that because he asked me for advice, which was a very humbling thing. It's like, all right, I've been doing this long enough where I can help people out. And even in my younger years, people would ask me for help. But I, I now feel qualified to be able to give some advice on some level on a podcasting, um, on the topic of podcasting. And he asked me all these different questions like, hey, above anything else, regardless of what I'm going to say for the rest of this time that we're talking, remember that the average podcast length is eight episodes. Like That's how long podcasts go. And then people either get disinterested, they get distracted, they get busy. Whatever the case may be, the average length of a podcast, the average lifespan is eight episodes. If you can beat that, you can. everything else is probably going to fall into place at some point. Tweak things. Make sure you go back and listen to things like if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, okay, either throw it out or, or tweak it. But make sure you keep it fresh every time. Make sure you, you go into it and, and you love it and you want to be there. And he shouted me out on the, on the ninth episode of his podcast. He said, thanks. And like, that's such a great moment for me. And that eases a lot of the, what you said, the imposter syndrome. Like, all right, I now feel okay that I am, I can give some advice to someone and help someone out. And I don't care about competing with his podcast. We're, we're two, we're family, man. Like that's, that's my guy. And, um, I'm going to help him as much as he wants me to help. And, and hopefully he can, he can help me once he gets more experience. And, and cause it's a very different type of show and we can, we can, feed off of each other a little bit. So giving advice has been such a big thing for me because people ask me these different things and I never fully feel qualified to give them any advice, but I know I'm the most accessible person that they have. So I do my best and to see it work helped me a lot. Um, and this podcast started in 2021. So it like, it's, it's, it's going now and they've had some major success in a very, very short amount of time. I'm, I'm very incredibly proud of what they've been able to do, but that helped me a lot. Yeah. And just being able to see someone take my advice and run with it and go and, and be successful. Yeah. I mean, even just from, you know, a thousand foot view, if you have a, a, we talked about this when, when you put out your documentary of, I am, I'm so fascinated by creativity uh, not just in the traditional sense, but in the sense of it, people who want to create something and put it out into the universe. That means that you, at minimum, had a thought, whether it's, you know, a podcast, a movie, uh, a script, whatever you want to do, 
that you felt like you had something to say and it was worth people listening to it. And just having that thought and being able to overcome the idea of, wow, is anybody going to care about this? Is the, the very first time that you say to yourself, hey, people will go out, make it and put it out into the universe for criticism. I think that that is both the best and the worst feeling in the world of, you know, you are, for lack of a better term, you are the man in the arena being judged at that point. And you put yourself there because you felt like you felt like you deserved it and wanted to be there. So I like I said, I think overcoming those initial burdens are the important parts of, you know, having confidence of wanting to create things because you're probably never going to get rid of those butterflies or the, the other aspects of being nervous or not feeling like yourself or not feeling confident. You're probably never going to get over those. But it's those first initial ones that you, you almost have to combat just to get to putting things out there and being able to be your genuine self in a public space. All right. Wow. This was uh, essentially a therapy session for me, mostly. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate your, your thoughts. And look, you and I are, are two very different human beings. It's kind of like the point of R&R. &R. It's like the one of the first jokes we ever made. But yeah you and I have very similar traits that like, we both like creating things. We both like um, putting things out and, and yours is a lot. It's very, very technical. And like you said, it's not the, the it's not what people click on all the time. It takes a special person to click on it, but it takes a special person to click on uh, shows with interviews with people. They might not necessarily be the most familiar with. And that's, that's where I'm at. So we're alike in that way. And it's, it's scary a lot of the time. So yeah, I, I mean, think we, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say a lot of times I really do feel like it's just caring about stuff. I mean, the, the last time I did this show with you is I came into it nervous, not necessarily, you know, Oh, I'm scared of the questions you can ask me. It's like, no, this is my friend and I want to, I, I want this to be interesting for him. I want this to be, you know, something that's valuable of his time. And, you know, I was I was nervous for the first five, ten minutes of that where I was like, OK, well, you know, I, I'm hoping that I'm I'm answering these in at least a somewhat entertaining way for a different audience. And I, I think a lot of that is just really caring about what you do and wanting things to be good, whether they're your own or your friends or whoever. Yeah, I mean it's nice that you, you cared about me enough to <laughs> to <laughs> to put on a uh put on a good show for me. That's that's nice. But even like being interviewed, you have to you have to perform in your own way. Cuz I was interviewed on my own podcast, episode 49, where it's like you guys hear a lot about all these people, but you keep asking me about me, so I addressed a lot of those questions in the show. And even then, I don't have control of the show. I'm not running it. I don't get to ask the questions. I I am completely helpless and at the mercy of the guy that I picked to interview me. And it was scary and it was I tried to be as as you know clever and, and, and funny as possible, but I decided that I wanted to do this and I wanted to be very, very vulnerable and, and honest and earnest. I don't care how it sounds. I don't care if this sounds like the most polished bit you've ever heard on if anyone cares. I'm 
speaking very much so from from like the legit Riley McManus where like I am giving you how I feel about something and uh it's not an it's not a performance yes is my voice like am I talking in a podcast voice absolutely like that's I'm talking in front of a microphone it's just natural for me at this point it's a natural part of my being to be able to 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 sit down and talk and make it sound better than a normal phone call and if that's viewed as performance art I, I guess I'm a performer that wasn't really in question, but still, like I, the natural state of me is a performer, and I try to be the best person I can be. But I'm being honest with you. It's sometimes it's very scary and vul- like I want to be vulnerable, and this is one of those times where I made a point to ask four people the same question that I've struggled with for two and a half years. It's like okay, I'm not sure about this. I want to hear other people's thoughts, including the guy that posted to me four years ago. So I'm happy you made time for this, Ryan. I'm happy that we get to we get to do this here on IAC, and um and thankfully you were able to switch gears with me from going and laughing about the stuff we talked about R and R to this very kind of I don't want it's not necessarily the most serious thing in the world, but it's like it's it's a change of pace. So I'm happy you were able to adapt. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, and thanks. It took a minute. The first five minutes or so, <laughs> I, I was still in my kind of goofy, giggly vibe. But I, I think we settled in nice. Right. Um, all right. Well, that'll be it for the show today. Thank you so much for listening. I, I'm so happy we get to do these special shows. Um, at Ryan Wentzel on, on Twitter and Instagram, you can go follow him. We have a podcast together, R&R, available on all the same platforms as this podcast. Check out the sports desk. Is it coming back for the training camp and preseason? It, it'll be back by the end of August. Okay, perfect. He'll be back in time for the 2021 NFL season. Um, he is a NFL um, analyst. So if you like football, check out Ryan's stuff. But this show available on Twitter and Instagram. Or I'm sorry, Twitter. If anyone cares, underscore. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RileyJamesIAC. If you get the show through iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe. Be very, very nice to see some five stars and nice comments on there. But yes, this is um, if anyone cares. And for Ryan Wenzel, Cam Awesome, Clayton Anderson, and Alexi Lalas, I'm Riley James. If anyone cares. <laughs>